Martin program. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. We talk about spring house cleaning. I have a story for you. I'm not sure that you're aware of it, and I was not aware of it, but I think we need to be aware of it. It is a very fascinating story concerning house cleaning, and I hope you'll stay tuned. This is for men and for women, house cleaning. We all kind of know that our houses get dirty, and even an occasional vacuuming and dusting doesn't really take care of the problem, because the problem is deeper. The dirt is deeper much like the problems in our own lives. Well, here's the story. First Lady Melania Trump insisted that the White House be spiritually cleansed before she would even move in, according to a pastor. Let me me repeat that. The former First Lady Melania Trump insisted that the White House be spiritually cleansed before she would move in. Does that get your attention? It should. Because the White House is considered the people's house. And if the White House needed to be spiritually cleansed, don't you think all of our houses need to be spiritually cleansed? The First Lady reportedly said, I am not going into that White House unless it's been completely exercised. That was Pastor Paul Begley, who understood that and talked about it just a couple of months ago. The pastor said Melania Trump also demanded that pagan, demonic items and artifacts from the Obama and Clinton years be removed from the White House. They cleansed the White House, Begley said. That's the name of the pastor. They had people there anointing it with oil and praying everywhere. Big house. Takes a lot of people. Begley said that the First Lady, in that five hours when the Obamas and the Trumps went down to the Capitol and Trump was being sworn in as the 45th President of the United States, that Melania had said to her husband, I'm not going to go into that White House unless it has been completely exercised. In other words, cleansed of all spiritual problems. Begley noted, that is the pastor, that during the eight years when Obama was there in the White House and maybe even some of the presidents before him, there were all kinds of idol gods and images and all kinds of artifacts in there that were demonic. Even some of the stuff from the Clinton era because they were really tied in with the Haitians. The pastor continued, he said, I can tell you, You can read the serpent and the rainbow story and find out just how much Haitian witch doctor influence was on Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton's lives. They constantly went back to Haiti. And they they even spent their honeymoon with a witch doctor. Who does that? According to the Washington Post, the Clintons visited Haiti for their honeymoon in 1975. Amazing. They decorated their homes with Haitian art. They flew back and again and again to Haiti. 
Hillary Clinton once said that theirs was a Haiti-obsessed family. But according to Pastor Begley, Melania Trump said, you've got to get all that out of there and send in some preachers and priests to go in and cleanse the White House or I will not spend one night in it. And the president did. There were people in there, said the pastor, packing up every idol. The only thing that was left was one cross on one wall. They cleansed the White House. Wow. Can you see a story here? Can you see this as a parable for America? Can you see this as a parable for all of us? Time for a house cleaning, isn't it? Not sweeping the dust, but cleansing out the things that harm us spiritually, that attack our lives, that cause such spiritual dirt to take over in our lives and influence us in ways and we don't even know we're being influenced. Melania Trump had it right. Get it out of there. Don't play around with sin. Don't play around with things demonic. Don't play with the devil. Don't play with those influences. Get it out of here. Now, it might be hard for you to understand that coming from a woman who appears always so stately and so beautiful, that she would have that kind of strength to call for such a cleansing, a spiritual cleansing of the White House. Apparently, notwithstanding the fact that Donald Trump wasn't exactly the, uh, the most puritanical of men, apparently there had been a considerable change in his life, such that he went along and did, de- did not demean the call of his wife to cleanse the White House. What would you have done? Let's suppose that you had been the president-elect, men, and your wife had said to you, I want you to go in and clean it all out. I want to go in and have a spiritual cleansing of America's uh, people's house, the White House, and I'm not going to set foot in there. My wife says I'm not going to get in there until that is done. Would you have complied or would you have fought it? Apparently, it says a lot about President Clinton that he did not cleanse the White House. In fact, that he contaminated the White House, he and his wife, with all kinds of artifacts, including the Obamas. But this is part of the reason why we're seeing such a difference now. During four years with the Trumps, we saw a cleansing in so many different areas of our nation. And now we see it returning. The iniquity, the iniquity of the life of the nation returning and inhabiting not only the White House, but the schoolhouse, the church house, the courthouse, and perhaps the majority of the houses in America. We need a house cleaning. We need a major house cleaning. And God says, for such a house cleaning, it has to begin at his sanctuary. That's what he told 
the prophet Ezekiel. He gave him an illustration. He said, I want you to look into my house. I want you to see what they're doing there. I want you to see the things that they're doing there that are so contrary to my word, my will, and my ways. And I want you to mark those that are not engaged in those behaviors. And then I want you to go in and cleanse. I want you to go in and cleanse, get rid of all those people who are desecrating my house. And then he said, begin at my sanctuary. Not begin with the pagans, not begin with the uh, the Hittites, the, the uh, uh, Palestinians, or any other tites out there, the Parasites, the Hivites, the Hittites, or even the termites. Don't begin with them. Begin at my sanctuary. Well, that's where we're going to begin, right here today. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chrismar, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Today we're taking a look at what it takes for a national house cleaning. And from God's perspective, it has to begin in his house. You see, you and I cannot control what's happening in the White House. We can't control what's happening uh, in the courthouses of the land for the most part. But we can control what is happening in our house and what is happening in the church house. And so that's where we're going to start, because that's where God tells us to start and where he said he would start, begin at my sanctuary. So what does that look like? That's what we want to spend our time looking at here today. It is a challenging thing to do. It's a very challenging thing to do because the reality is we are in deep, deep trouble. How deep trouble are we in? Well, let's take a little trajectory, uh, a little travel journey here uh, through history, recent history. This program was launched on May 7th, 1995, 26 years ago. May 7th, 1995. We formed Save America Ministries in October of 1993. That's when we got full governmental approval for nonprofit status, October of 1993. The Lord first spoke to me concerning the leaving of the practice of law and the forming of Save America Ministries and addressing his church as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation in 1992 from my law office. That period of time, 1992-93, was the fulcrum moment for this country. I have so many articles in all of my files that point increasingly to the period 1992-93. Well, what happened in 1993? April 5th, 1993. 
April 5th, 1993, Time Magazine had a cover story. There was a cross on the front cover, and in the lower right-hand corner were these words, the generation that forgot God. It doesn't say the generation that was going to forget God. It said the generation that already had forgotten God. April 5th, 1993. Then it began to talk in the feature article called The Church Search about what was happening following Gulf War I, that people had been afraid and they were flooding back to church, but they said church would never again be the same. Why? Here was Time's conclusion. Church would never again be the same because Americans were looking for a custom-made God, one made in their own image. In other words, an idolatrous God, the God of self one made in our own image. Not a golden, uh, a, a God of gold, but a God of the self, which is exactly what the Apostle Paul described to Timothy in chapter 3 of Second Timothy, talking about perilous times that were coming. Men would be lovers of their own self, So self then became the idol of our time. In 1996, the year after, almost exactly to the day, the year after we formed or started this radio program, Billy Graham received the Congressional Gold Medal. And here's what he said when he received it. America has gone a long way down the wrong road. We must turn around and go back and change roads. If we ever needed God's help, it's now. But he didn't stop there. He went on to talk about this. He says, we have confused liberty with license, and we're paying the awful price. We're a society poised on the brink of self-destruction. So he said, what is the problem? The real problem, he said, is within ourselves. In other words, we're the house that needs to be cleaned. He said, I believe the fundamental crisis of our time is a crisis of the spirit. It's not a crisis of the Congress. It's not a crisis of uh, uh, the economy and all of this. No. Bill Clinton said the economy was everything. No. Billy Graham says, no, the real problem is inside ourselves. In other words, the house that we live in, these physical houses that we live in, is the problem. He said, we have lost sight of the moral and spiritual principles on which this nation was established, principles drawn from the Bible. So what must be done, he asked. Now, bear in mind, Billy Graham is giving this in response to his receiving the Congressional Gold Medal in 1996. This is what he's saying in his address. He said, first, we must repent. He asked the question, what must be done? First, we must repent. But then he says, what does repentance mean? It means to change our thinking and our way of living. It means to turn from our sins and to commit ourselves to God and his will. Or you might say, it means to have a massive spiritual house cleaning. He went on, he said, second, we must commit our lives to God and to the moral and spiritual truths that have made this nation great. Third, he says, our commitment must be translated into action, 
in our homes, in our neighborhoods, and in our society. So the action first must be, we must cleanse the sanctuary. Remember, God said, begin at my sanctuary. Uh, begin at my sanctuary. We must cleanse the house. The Bible talks about purifying our hearts, cleansing our hearts. In fact, the Bible says that God will not listen to the prayers of someone who comes to him with unclean hands and an impure heart. Now, we've forgotten that. We think that God will listen to all of our prayers, but it's not true. God says, I'm only going to listen to those who come with clean hands and a pure heart. There's only one prayer that God will hear other than the prayer with somebody that comes with clean hands and an absolutely pure heart, and that is the prayer of repentance and confession of Christ as Lord and Savior. Billy Graham went on to say, Jesus is speaking of the last times. And he said, you must be prepared for persecution because the Bible says that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. And as the time draws near, Billy Graham said, they will seize you and persecute you. And we have no spiritual foundation for believing that we can forever escape being persecuted for Christ's sake. He said the normal condition for Christians is that we should suffer persecution. So he asked the question, are you willing to face persecution and death for Christ's sake? Since we have received little religious persecution in this country, it's likely that under pressure many would deny Christ, he said. And those who shout the loudest about their faith may surrender soonest. And Jesus, he said, was speaking of these last times. And he warned that they will hand you over to be persecuted and kill you, and you will be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And because iniquity will abound in our homes, in our hearts, in these tabernacles that carry our spirit, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So Billy Graham says, as he wraps up, we must fortify ourselves by meditating upon the person of Christ. Christ must be vitally real to us if we are to prove loyal to him in the hour of crisis. 1996, friends. 1996. Three years later, Dr. Henry Blackaby was interviewed. He had a conference at the Billy Graham Training Center in North Carolina. The date, May 22nd, 1999. Henry Blackaby joined us here on this program to discuss that speech. But here's what he said in summary. He was asked, what do you see as the future for the United States? He said, if you put the United States up against the scriptures, we're in trouble. I think we're very close to the judgment of God. The problem of America, he said, is not the unbelieving world. The problem of America is the people of God. In other words, God's house. Those who profess to be profess his name. That's where the problem is. Pagans will be pagans. Sinners will be sinners. 
The ungodly will be the ungodly, but how about those who profess to be the godly ones? How about those? That's where the house cleaning needs to start, if we have any hope. Henry Blackaby, the author of that well-known book and series called Experiencing God. Maybe you actually went through that teaching, Experiencing God. He said, our gospel is canceled by the way we live. Do you hear what he said in 1999? We were the ones that were canceling the gospel. Why and how? By the way we're living. In other words, we have things going on in uh, God's house, in our own lives, just like it had been going on in the White House that Melania Trump had to clean out of there. So God says, there's got to be a house cleaning. There's got to be a major house cleaning in my house, or you're in deep, deep trouble, because judgment is going to begin at the house of God. Henry Blackaby went on to say, if things get darker in America... The problem is not with the darkness, it's acting just like its nature. The problem is with the light. So he says, right now, I believe God's people do not even believe they have departed. In other words, they don't have a clue how dirty their house is. David Wilkerson wrote a book called America's Last Call. I interviewed him on this program. He said, The sin of America has outdone every other generation, including that of Noah's day, Sodom and Gomorrah, and any other time in history. The combination and extensiveness of the sin of America outdoes them all. So do we then suppose God is going to spare us judgment? I don't believe so. As a matter of fact, the greater the knowledge, the greater the judgment. So, if we don't take the scripture seriously, he says, when God moves in judgment, the average person will not even recognize that it's God. Wow. Henry Blackaby then went on in his speech after quoting David Wilkerson. He said, the thing, the second thing about today is my own personal feeling that we may well be the generation that is alive and remaining when our Lord returns. Should we not be looking at the scriptures to see the day in which we live? Are you? Are you reading selfishly for a good thought, for you to be happy? When Jesus comes in his first coming, who missed him most? God's people missed him. It was the religious leaders who missed him most. And not only that, the religious leaders missed him so badly that even though they had all the scriptures to predict the coming, Yet they crucified the Son of God. Do you know that the Bible says that 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 kind of thing is going to happen again? So Blackaby asked, how how then should we live? The tragedy, he said, is that the people of God and the leaders of God who are totally unaware of the ways of God. And if you... I hope he said you didn't hear anything else that comes from this conference. 
that you will understand that it's God's people who hold the destiny of America. He said, you just need to know my heart is very, very heavy about the day in which we live. Primarily because God's people don't even recognize that they move from what God wants them to be. God says, you've got to return to me. But they respond, wherein have we departed? So it's time for a spiritual house cleaning. Beginning at God's sanctuary. Not in the White House, but in the church house. And as Henry Blackaby says, the future of America is resting in our hands. So what is the future of America? Time to think about that, at least through this break. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. We're talking about a house cleaning here today, beginning with a report that Melania Trump, when she was ready to move into the White House, she said, not on your life unless it's spiritually cleansed. In other words, you get rid of all the idols, you get rid of all the demonic uh, representations, you get rid of all that, you cleanse the house. Uh, some might turn the, use the term exercise it. In other words, you get rid of all the demonic influences in America's house or I'm not moving in, she said. You can hear the rest of the story in the first part of the program here today. But God is saying the problem in America is not in the White House per se. The greater problem is in your house and mine, in the church house, in the house of those who profess his name. And so he told the prophet Ezekiel, the problem was so bad at that time, he said, I want you to take a look at what's going on in my house. And then he said, I want you to look over here and see what's going on. And then he said, now that you see how horrific this is, I want you to warn them that I'm going to put a mark on those who are faithful, and then I'm going to send in one to cleanse my sanctuary from all the evil, and it's going to begin at my sanctuary. Not going to begin with the house of the pagans, not going to begin with the liberals or the abortionists or Slick Willie in the White House or whatever. It's going to begin in my house, he said, my sanctuary. So that's where the house cleaning has to start. And it, this is spring, and it's time for a spring house cleaning. 
We only have a few days before summer, so it's time for a spring house cleaning. And quite frankly, God can do all of that if we would be willing just in the next week. Because we only have about one week until the 21st of June, which is the beginning of summer. But God could do all that in one week if we would be willing. If we would come clean before him. If we would say, I'm not going to continue to live in this house until it's cleansed. I'm not going to continue to live in this situation until I have come clean before God, until my family has come clean before God, my wife, my husband, my children, my grandchildren. I'm not going to continue to put up with this. We are going to fear the Lord. We are going to walk in the world, word the ways of the Lord, and we are not going to walk in this iniquity and this unbelieving filth anymore. We're just not going to do it. Lord, help me. And we cry out to him, and the Bible says that when we are truly honest before him, his grace will be sufficient to enable us to do his will and to live that out. And he will, you know, we have to make the choice, and he will help us make the changes. That's what his grace is all about. And in the meantime, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but we have to turn from it. And that is the big problem. You can't turn from that which you fail to recognize is the problem. If you don't recognize that smoking is causing a major uh, physical problem for you in, uh, say, uh, your lungs or with emphysema or Uh, cancer, anything else, if you don't recognize that, you're not going to seek help. You're unwilling. But if you recognize it, then there's hope. So, in 1998, right after Henry Blackaby gave this address, actually just before he gave the address at the Billy Graham Center in 1999, the Capitol Hill Prayer Alert contained this headline, A Nation Under God's Judgment. Then, the subtitle, America's Only Hope is Repentant Pastors and Congregations. Notice it doesn't say repentant pagans. It says repentant pastors and congregations. Christians in America now face a historic moment of truth. America is in the Valley of Decision. So where in the church, where are the prophets, where are the pastors who are calling the people to repentance? It's hard to call the people to repentance when, as one pastor of a large uh, evangelical, uh, formerly holiness church in the birthplace of the nation, told me at a pastor's breakfast when I shared with him an experience that I had in talking with the Lord on my way to the breakfast, asking him a question. That is, asking the Lord, why is it that after all of these prayers, all of the national days of prayer, all of these uh, various prayer meetings and everything all over the country, why is it we still have no revival? And God answered me immediately. He said, because my pastors are not preaching righteousness. So, I got to the meeting, and uh, 
I shared this little story over coffee with one of these pastors, and uh, he hung his head. And here's what he said. I'm not sure I even know how to preach righteousness. This was the pastor of one of the largest evangelical, uh, strong evangelical churches in Richmond, Virginia, the birthplace of the country where the cross of the covenant was first planted on these shores in 1607. Now, if you don't know how to preach righteousness, then how in the world are you ever going to call the people to repent? They don't even know what they have to repent of. You see the problem. The problem is just is not just that the media is hovering over and, and hiding the truth. Even pastors and parachurch leaders are hiding the truth, either by ignorance, by negligence, or absolute refusal and rebellion to tell and teach the people. It's, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. So, again... The next issue of the Washington Insider Prayer Report. Why is repentance needed? Repentance is sincerely returning to God. God commands us to repent. The alternative to repentance is moral and spiritual anarchy. We are under God's judgment for refusing to repent. It will soon be too late for America to repent. America is starved for the truth of repentance. So, what then is repentance? Well, it means a genuine change of mind, purpose, and life. It consists of a true sense of one's own guilt and sinfulness, an apprehension of God's mercy in Christ, and an actual hatred of sin, and turning from it to God, and a persistent endeavor after a holy life in walking with God in the way of His commandments. It's the most positive word in the Bible. It's the only word of hope. Then, in 1999, notice all these things happen from 1992 to 1999 now. Times Square Church Pulpit Series, Whatever Happened to Repentance? David Wilkerson from New York. You rarely, rarely hear the word repent anymore. Even Baptist, Pentecostal, or Evangelical circles, pastors seldom call for their congregations to sorrow over sin, to mourn and grieve over wounding Christ by their wickedness. Instead, the message we hear from many pulpits today is, just believe, accept Christ, and you'll be saved. Jesus is calling people to repent before he even called them to believe. So where do we stand? Are we willing for such a spiritual house cleaning? Are we anywhere near as strong as Melanie, uh, Melania, Melania Trump, I'm sorry, who demanded before she even go into the White House that pagan demonic items and artifacts from the Obama and Clinton years be removed from the White House? And they went through people anointing the White House with oil and praying everywhere. Wow. We kind of need that kind of vigilant 
house cleaning, not in a physical way. It's not just a matter of getting rid of symbols in your home. It's a matter of getting rid of the sinful substance in our lives. Now, what if we're not ready? You see, on this program, we have been repeatedly for the past uh, 26 years not only confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, so we have a strongly issues-oriented program. There's hardly any issue that we have not or would not talk about here on this program from God's perspective. On the other hand, the overarching theme is prepare the way of the Lord. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. You see, prophecy puts all of this in perspective. It puts a frame around our life right now to give us a focus that there, this is not just cleaning house in the abstract. We're at the final moment, perhaps, of eternal judgment, my friends. Nations will be judged in this life, but you and I, humankind, will be judged in the world to come. It's not just about America. Because in reality, America itself is we the people. It's not some esoteric kind of corporate form called America. It's you. It's me. And that's what made unique uh, America so unique. We were founded on a foundation of right ways, righteousness according to God's viewpoint. But we have gradually abandoned that viewpoint. So where do we go? What do we do? Are we ready or will the majority of those in God's own house today actually embrace an antichrist because they're so weak and the iniquity is so strong in their lives. Can you see why a spiritual house cleaning might be absolutely necessary? Right now, we'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they loved one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. A song of yesteryear said, Cast down every idol, Break down every foe. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Whiter than snow, yes, whiter than snow. Now wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. 
God wants our lives to be whiter than snow. He wants your life to be whiter than snow. But he knows very well that it is not. In fact, many, or at least a few, of the spiritual leaders in our country over the past uh, 30 years now have been crying out to America. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. And if we don't, not only will this country be destroyed, because it will have been seen as the ultimate idol, trusting the country rather than trusting God. Think about that. Cast down every idol, break down every foe. So God is calling you and me to humble ourselves and truly pray in a very different way. to seek his face in ways that we have never done before and to turn from our own wicked ways. If we don't do that, what is going to happen, please listen carefully, what is going to happen to the majority of people is that they will have their consciences seared, stubbornness will begin to take over their life, And when the infamous mark of the beast comes, which may be much sooner than you could possibly imagine, perhaps within the next five to ten years, when that comes, they will receive it. Because the trust quotient of their life has been defined by their defilement of God's sanctuary. They're refusing to agree with God's viewpoint on the issues of life, They're refusing to humble their selves before him and they will not even recognize the difference between Christ and the Antichrist. And they will succumb to the lure, the fascination of the counterfeit Christ. That's why I wrote the book, Antichrist. How to Identify the Coming Imposter. It wasn't just an informational book. It wasn't something to be sensationalistic and, do you hear that? Do you hear that? No. Oh, there are 450 pages in the book. It is a very substantive book. But those talk show hosts who have been interviewing me across the country for the past number of months, what they're realizing almost to a person, as soon as they start getting into the book, they discover this isn't like other books concerning Antichrist. This is about the reader. This is for you and for me. It's transformative. It's life-changing. It's not just information. It's information for transformation because of the application. And that's what makes the book so radically different. A $22 book on our website, saveus.org, Antichrist. How do I identify the coming imposter? You must read it, my friend. You must read it. Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter? 
$22 on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. This is critically important. I can't over overstate the importance of this. I believe that God, in his mercy and by his grace, even inspired me to write that book. No, it's not the Bible, but it applies the Bible. The Bible is intended to be applied. That's where the life change comes in. Now, let's leapfrog from the 1990s to 2012. Billy Graham, final call for America to repent. You may recall, to coincide with his 95th birthday, Billy Graham was calling people in the United States and Canada to uh, repentance as part of what he called my hope. wanted to ignite a spiritual awakening in North America. It didn't happen. But he did call. He said America and the world seems to be in a state of growing apostasy and unbelief. In history, when there is great darkness engulfing the world, there is also the opportunity for a great light to come, the gospel light. And so at this time, when we seem to be spiraling downward into spiritual darkness, it is the ideal and opportune time for a great spiritual awakening. Final call for America to repent. Mike Dogowitz joined us here on this program He issued a newsletter, email, back in 2010. It's called Repentance, Not Elections, Changes a Nation. He says, possibly two more presidents than a dictatorship. The thought of a dictatorship doesn't seem so far off. As some of you may know from history, democracies inherently end up as dictatorships. The signs of when a nation succumbs to a dictatorship are the utter moral decadence of society as sin becomes more widely embraced and colossal national debt. By the way, are we there yet? He said this may sound unpatriotic, but where this nation ends up isn't as important to the two of us as preparing followers of Jesus to be light before the dark days of chastisement come on this country. Guard yourself against the cold love that is coming in and maintain a repentant heart before the Lord, he said. Are you considering the plight of this nation? You may ask yourself, why doesn't Christianity with over 300,000 congregations in the U.S. have any significant influence in the country anymore? Well, the Bible makes clear that our God does not stand with the unrepentant 
nor even hear their prayers. He goes on to say, All too often, those who say they are his uh, elect, that they represent biblical requirements of our holy God, personal righteousness, they're not his elect. The most of the contemporary Western presentation of Christianity has been conquered by the spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of lawlessness. The overwhelming toleration of sin, especially since their self-proclaimed identity as Christian, so grievously brings down God's holy name by a rebellion against his word. You're probably saddened by the spiritual delusion that so many seem to be living under, the spirit of antichrist and lawlessness, the self-deceived go through their religious practices believing that they're okay with God. Yet by their words and their actions, you detect no fear of God in them, nor any appreciation of why Jesus died on the cross. And the commands of a righteous God are of no seeming concern to them. So, Mike Dogowitz says, I want to encourage you to scrutinize your own life to see if you may have succumbed to the spirits of lawlessness and antichrist. There's no doubt that the spirit of lawlessness is well established in many Christian temples throughout the nation, that is churches. You recognize his presence when a person's need to repent and stay repentant is minimized or done away with in that system's message and theology. This is where Antichrist steps in to convince people that Jesus has come only to enhance their life and meet their needs. We then become our own God, the chief focus of our existence. The spirits of lawlessness and Antichrist want people to go through life believing that they've done nothing wrong. These folks rationalize that they're no worse than most and a lot of other professing believers. Together, these spirits have fostered a mass toleration for sin throughout much of this land's understanding of Christendom and thus cheapen the cross to little more than an icon or a piece of jewelry. The strength of the spirits of lawlessness and antichrist is found in their ability to deceive. And deception is the camouflage behind which hell is hidden. Mike Dogowitz concludes his piece here, written in 2010, Don't Let Unconfessed Sin Imprison You in Christian Delusion. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan. In every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. So how does a person recognize that they're deluded? The answer is very simple. They seem to have no sorrow over their sin. 
So how do you respond when the Spirit of God or someone he uses shows you your sin? How are you responding even right now? The Holy Spirit is capable of showing us if we're willing. If you have no sorrow over your sin, could you be one of those who have been deceived into serving the spirit of lawlessness and worshiping the spirit of Antichrist? This is important time, friends. We're trying to encourage people here on this program to live in righteousness, in genuine repentance, hoping that each and every one of the listeners to this program escapes, avoids the trap of delusion. To flee delusion, you have to humble yourself and cry out to God to grant you the repentance that leads you to truth. And you'll never flee delusion without repentance. Never. Until there's a sorrowful conviction in your heart about the severity of each and every one of the sins you commit. Until there's such a deep appreciation for the price the Son of God paid for your sins on the cross. Until your need for the forgiveness which repentance brings is more important to you than the next breath you take. You will be Satan's captive. You will be a Christian whose prayers go unheard by the Father. You will be a so-called Christian whose life and testimony brings no glory to him, and you will be a deluded professing Christian. Is that who you want to be? Time for a house cleaning. A serious, serious house cleaning. God says begin at my sanctuary. Thanks for joining us here on Viewpoint. Get a copy of the book Antichrist. How to identify the coming imposter. It's more real now than ever, isn't it? And it's becoming more real by the day. $22 will put the book in your hands. Go on our website, saveus.org. Get it that way. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. And become a partner, friends. Help us to continue to carry this message more broadly across this country and around the world until Jesus comes. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.